0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, good morning to you again. And uh, we want to welcome those of you who are joining us on uh, the video, and live stream, and those who may be listening on the podcast. It's always good to have you. Um, joining us as we look to God's word together. Listen to, to this list of names. Ben Affleck, Mark Halperin, Kevin Spacey, Richard Dreyfus, Tom Sizemore, Al Franken, Charlie Rose, Matt Lauer, Garrison Keeler, Chris Matthews and that list could go on and on. What do they all have in common? sexual misconduct of some kind. the list, there's a huge long list. Uh, Listen to this list of news organizations. New York Times, The Guardian, The Telegraph, Pew Research, Time, US News and World Report, CBS News, British Broadcasting Corporation, ABC News, Fox News, CNN, USA Today, The New York Post, Boston Globe, Boston Herald, Wall Street Journal, Washington Times, Worcester Telegram, What do you think that all of these news sources might have in common? This is the 5th of August, right? The first four days of August, they all ran at least one article on something related to sex. And it wasn't all like all reporting on one thing. These were multiple different articles, okay? Uh, Here's a list of well-known companies, American Apparel, Abercrombie & Fitch, PETA, Axe, Skechers, Carl's Jr., Dentine Ice, Perrier, Armani, Nissan, Old Spice, and GoDaddy. What do they all have in common? They all overtly use sex to sell their products. In 2017, just last year, Hollywood released 36 movies that included full frontal female nudity. 36 movies last year. And that's not, we aren't even talking about the horrendous amount of pornography that that Americans, both men and women now, are watching. Um, And we're not gonna focus in on that much today. But if if that's a struggle for you, please let us help you, okay? Let us help you with that. So sex is a huge issue in our culture, isn't it? And that shouldn't surprise us really because sex by its very nature is going to be a big issue in our lives. And, but our society, I think, is experiencing the multiplying consequences of rejecting God's standards in the area of sex. And as Christians, we need to know what else. And by the way, I should say, you know, each of us too have at some point violated God's standards in this area as well because Jesus said it's not just a matter of what we do with our bodies, but it's what we do with our minds and our hearts. And so we've all failed at some point along the way in this. Um, our chapter of Proverbs for day, today just happens to bring it up. <laughs> when I um, originally planned this series, uh, I'm gonna preach through the Proverbs on the dates of Sunday, I did not look through the Sundays to see what the topic was. I just said, we'll get there when we get there. And and, um, what's interesting is that most chapters in Proverbs have multiple topics, okay? And so usually I try to zero in on one of those. Chapter 5 is the only chapter in all of Proverbs that has one topic, okay? And so we are going to consider what God has to say about sex today. Straight talk about sex, because that's what the Bible gives us. It speaks very pointedly to this. Now, before we get into Proverbs chapter five, I'd like to give you a biblical background, sort of a biblical foundation for when it comes to sex, okay? And the first thing is this, good sex is God's idea. You you feel strange, wait a minute, I came to church and what's he saying up there today? Good sex is God's idea. At the end of creation, after he has created everything, including man, male and female, women, the Bible says this, then God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was what? Very good. Very good, and this includes the sexual relationship between a man and a woman. He gets even more specific because in chapter two, he gives us the details around the creation of of woman and and bringing man and woman together in the first marriage. And he talks about this. He says, and they shall become one flesh, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So you see, sex is God's idea. He's the one who invented it. Um, yeah, and I can't even imagine how that all went in, his, you know, in God's thinking, but he did. And, and he says that it is indeed a good thing. In fact, God is very open and frank about sex in the Bible. Very much open and frank about it in the things you're going to see today, uh, the things that we're going to um, see from the Word. Uh, but it's interesting that God thinks sex is such a good idea that he has devoted an entire book to the issue of romantic love between a husband and his wife. And, and the book of Song Solomon, right? And it talks about this love relationship. And it, and it really includes some pretty, um, not detailed, but very clear allusions to the sexual aspect of that relationship and how powerful that is. In the relationship. So, a whole book in the Bible God put in there that is very open about this issue. Uh, and, and so, what we find is, is what um, Hebrews chapter 13 says, and this is scripture, that marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. The fornicators and adulterers God will judge. But what he's saying here is there's the married bed, the, that the physical, intimate, physical sexual relationship between husband and wife is pure and holy, but when we go outside of that, it's not a fornication, sexual morality, and adultery, when we go outside of that bond, then that's something that God will judge, okay? All right, now, two biblical truths about sex, okay? First one that is very valuable, sex is very valuable. We've already kind of seen that in reference, right? How God put it in there and uh, uh, so it is a valuable thing. It's, um, it's precious. It's special. There's a uniqueness to the sexual intimacy that is found nowhere else. Extremely valuable. Okay? Not only is it valuable, sex is very powerful. Very powerful. Now, when we get to Proverbs chapter 5, it's going to be warning about... Uh, misuse of sex and sexual morality. But can you think right now, just, not, not just the list of names I listed, but how many times are people brought down because they sin in this area of their lives? Because it's very, very powerful. And why would they do that? Why would you do something that really, you know has the potential to destroy everything that you've worked for in your life? Why would you do that? Well, you wouldn't if you think logically. you, but sex is what? Very, very powerful. It is a powerful drive, and when it is awakened, it is extremely powerful. Now, what do we do with things that are very, very valuable to us? Think of an object or an item that you might have that's very, very valuable to you. What do you do with it? You, you guard it, don't you? You protect it. You don't just throw it out there and let whatever happens, it happens. You, you keep it guarded and protected. Well, what do we do with things that are very, very powerful? For good or bad, what do we do? We got to make sure that we use it carefully, don't we? All right? Is your automobile a very powerful thing? Some of you might say, well, not mine. (laughs) But it still is, right? 2,000 plus pounds of weight growing down. It's very powerful, isn't it? Needs to be kept where it's supposed to be kept. And so it is with sex, it's very valuable. We need to protect it. We need to guard it. Uh, And the idea of being powerful, I think a great analogy uh, to um, the power of sex is fire. Fire. Fire is a great blessing when it is where it is supposed to be, right? In the fireplace, in the furnace, wherever. As long as it's kept where it's supposed to be. What about when it gets out? of where it's supposed to be, what happens? Huge damage, right? Sometimes people even get killed. Fire out of where it's supposed to be, and and that's very much like sex. Very powerful when it's where it's supposed to be, and it's also very powerful when it's where it's not supposed to be. Um, And so let me just talk to you about some of the power of sex. Uh, Dr. Amen. Uh, you may have heard him. You've seen him on PBS. You go by PBS, and this little skinny ball guy talking. Okay, he's a brain um, expert, brain chemistry expert, and he says this. He says whenever a person is sexually involved with another person, neurochemical changes occur in both their brains that encourage limbic emotional bonding. This is the the chemical oxytocin. Okay. He says, yet limbic bonding is the reason casual sex doesn't work for most people on a whole mind and body level because two people may decide, go on to the next one if you would there, two people may decide to have sex just for the fun of it, yet something is occurring on another level they might not have decided on at all. Sex is enhancing an emotional bond between them whether they want it or not. Okay, so that happens, and that... You can see why this creates all sorts of difficulties in life. And just a thought to to ponder here. What happens then in in the the brain of a man or woman who who chooses to look at pornography? Now, that really gets kind of weird, doesn't it? But that same chemical is, is being emitted there. Now, see, does God know about all these things? Does he know how the human brain works? He's the one who designed it to work that way. Isn't that interesting that he designed it so that when a man and woman come together in marriage and they are sexually intimate, that what's actually occurring? It's what? It's bonding them. This is when sex is the way it's supposed to be in marriage. It's bonding them together. And and, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter six deals with this. says, "Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Of course, your body, if you're a Christian, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We ought not do that. But look, you sin against your own body. And and doesn't this fit with the brain chemistry, right? Here you are, you're sinning, you have sex in in an area of life that you're not supposed to be involved with sex, and it's affecting you physically and your brain and your emotional bonding. Does God know what he's talking about? He absolutely knows what he's talking about. And when we talk about the power of sex, uh, when we think about children being abused, when sexual abuse is part of that, it is extremely powerful. Childhood sexual abuse has been correlated with higher levels of depression, guilt, shame, self-blame, eating disorders, somatic concerns, anxiety, dissociative patterns repression, denial, sexual problems, and relationship problems. Now, before I talk about this, the good news is is that with the Lord Jesus Christ and his word, and with help of other people, you, if this has been your experience, and I'm sure that some of you this has been your experience, that God can set you free from being controlled by that. Okay, so there's good news there. And if that's you, and you need help, please let us know, we can get you help, okay? But the reality is, what I want you to see here, is that when sex becomes part of the abuse of a child, it is so powerful, but in such a negative way. It just goes to the core of that child's being and how they view and look and respond to all of life, okay? Because sex is extremely powerful. All right, so we said it's valuable and it's powerful. And and so we talk about guarding and protecting and keeping things inside the right boundaries, Uh, just the same as with fire. So what are God's boundaries for sex? Okay, if we go through all the Bible and look and see what it says, we put it together. Here's his boundaries. Pursuing or responding to sexual stimulation, whether mentally or physically, is to be limited exclusively to a man and a woman together in their marriage relationship. let me read it again. Pursuing or responding to sexual stimulation, whether mentally or physically, is to be limited exclusively to a man and a woman, I would like to put the word together, in their marriage relationship. That's God's boundaries. And this means that you're talking here about the person that you are married to now. Not the person that you used to be married to, not the person you might consider getting married to, not the person that you're planning to get married to, the person that you are married to. Now, you might say, but wait a minute, I'm not married. I understand that. This still applies to you because you need still be faithful to the one that you probably will be married to at some point. You say, well what if I never get married? Well you know what, it's a hard thing. Sometimes God calls us to hard things in life. Some things about following Christ are not easy. But the thing is that God in his grace always enables us to do what he tells us to do. He doesn't leave us to ourselves. He can help a person who is single for their whole life to, to feel fulfilled, because by the way, this. No human being needs another human being to be complete. You don't. You and Christ is complete, okay? And so if if you're single, and so sex is never a part of your life, let me let you on a little secret. No one has ever died from not having sex. Now, there have been a lot of people who thought they were going to die. But they don't. Okay, it is not a need in order to live. It is a drive, but it's not a need in order to live. So with that background, I'm going to say, what is the wisdom that God has put in Proverbs for us? And by the way, uh, this subject is dealt with in eight different chapters in the book of Proverbs, okay? And chapter five, like I said, is the only one that is devoted to this one issue. So let's take our Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter five. Page 729 in the Bible that's there under the chairs in front of you. and We're gonna be looking at the whole chapter today. So if if you don't have a Bible with you, we really encourage you to pick up that Bible that's under the chair and follow along. It'll make it a lot easier for you. Uh, Page 729. What does wisdom teach us? God's wisdom regarding sex and sexual relationship. Verses one and two. He says, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. Uh, I don't know about you, when I was with, uh, with my kids, you know, I, you tell them lots of things, don't you? You tell your kids lots of things and sometimes they pay attention, sometimes they don't. But when, you, when I really wanted them, no, no, wait, it's, uh, I start, t- it's, they, you can tell, right? I said, no, 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 listen, stop. And sometimes when they're riddled, riddled you had to kind of take their head and make them look at you. Pay attention to what I'm saying here. In other words, this, what I'm telling you, really matters. You need to pay attention. So we need to pay attention to God's wisdom on this subject. Let's read verse 3. He says, For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. And in this passage, um, the author is using an immoral woman to... uh, Be like the allure of sexual immorality, okay? That's the point here. But what we see here, first of all, is this, that that immorality is seductive. Immorality is seductive. Go ahead and put that up if you would. Immorality is seductive. In other words, it's going to present itself how? As a good thing. As a desirable thing. As a positive thing. As an exciting thing. Immorality is seductive, okay? And so just know that, that when the temptations come, this isn't gonna, As we're gonna read the the, the negative outcomes of of, uh, sexual immorality. We're gonna read through that, but it doesn't present itself, right, uh, that way. When the temptation sexual immorality comes, it doesn't ever say, hey, come ruin your life. Come destroy your marriage. No, it doesn't do that. Very appealing, okay? So uh, sexual morality is seductive. Look in verses 4 through 6. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood. That's a plant that has a root that is, is very bitter, and actually, it's too, uh, in too high a concentration, can cause uh, um, seizures and possibly even death, so it's a problematic. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. You're gonna get cut by this. Her feet go down to death, okay? This is not headed toward life and better life. Her steps lay hold of hell. What's the source of immorality? Okay, it's not heaven, it's hell. Lest you ponder her path of life, her ways are unstable. You do not know them. You might think you know how this goes. You don't know how this is going to go, okay? Uh, and so not only is sexual immorality seductive, but it's also deadly to the soul. Okay? Sexual immorality is deadly to the soul. It affects us. It does not bring life to us. It brings death and junk and crud and anything you can think of. Negative, it's going to bring to that. Now, verse 7. <laughs> Just like me as a parent, pay attention, did I tell you? I said you need to pay attention to me in this. In verse seven, it's like that. He says, therefore, hear me now, my children. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. I'm gonna tell you something here. You need to live by this. And what's he gonna tell them to live by? Here's what it is. Let me, I'll, I'll say the point first here. Avoiding sexual immorality by avoiding sexual temptation. Do you want to avoid sexual immorality? Avoid sexual temptation as much as possible. that's what the verse is. Remove your way, what's the next word? Far from her. And do not go near the door of her house. Don't even go past her place. Stay away, okay? And and so the idea is to, you you can avoid uh, sexual immorality by avoiding sexual temptation. Now, I think this is important for us to understand. We can't control all sexual temptation. And and, and by the way, I mean, we are sexual beings, right? Okay, we are sexual beings. Uh, And so sexual temptation comes to us. In our culture, it comes to us without even asking for it, right? You don't have to go looking for sexual temptation. It's gonna come to you. And what I wanna say to you is that is seldom a problem for a Christian who is walking in the spirit and living by the word of God because you see it for what it is, okay? And, uh, and I've said this before, you know, when I, I use an example one at a time, but I, I'm convinced that if all of a sudden a, a naked lady showed up at my door, and I'm home alone, I am not gonna be tempted. I'm gonna slam the door and lock all the windows. <laughs> Unless, Unless I have been consistently watching things I ought not watch, reading things I ought not read, letting my mind go places where it ought not go. If that's what I have been doing and she shows up at my door, guess what? I'm at great risk. I mean, I might be able to, be, you see what I'm saying? So what we want to make sure as we do is that we control the sexual temptation that we expose ourselves to when we don't have to. That's the stuff we need to put away. That's the stuff when you're watching a show and all of a sudden there's something, whether it's it's nudity or whether it's just really, wow, this is very seductive. You know what? This, what I'm watching, is not worth exposing myself to this. Okay? I mean, the Bible says that God is faithful and he won't allow us to be tempted above what we are able. Right? But he'll, with the temptation, make a way of escape. But here's the deal. The way of escape may be that today and tomorrow and the next day I walk in the Spirit and do what's right and I avoid sexual temptation. That is the way of escape for the temptation that's coming. Does that make sense? Okay. And so we need to control that in our lives. You want to avoid sexual temptation, excuse me, sexual immorality? Avoid sexual temptation. Now, verses nine through 14, let me just put this up here and then we'll get the verses again. The temporary excitement of immoral sex is not worth the ongoing negative consequences. And so we need to get this in our minds before the temptation comes along. Start in verse nine. He says, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one. Lest aliens be filled with your wealth. Now, you're not talking about space people here, right? Aliens, it's like foreigners, okay, same idea, and he uses a a synonym for that. Uh, Lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. This is gonna cost you. Getting involved in sexual morality is going to cost you. In verse 11, and you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed. So he's talking about a physical impact for sexual immorality. And really what he's talking about here is the impact of sexual disease. And we might say, well, in our day and age, we're all set on that. Not true, not true. It's interesting that back in the 1950s, sexually transmitted disease limited to primarily two diseases, that was syphilis and gonorrhea, okay? Uh, That was a thing. And there were other uh, sexually transmitted diseases, but the doctors knew about what they were only, in in the area of prostitution is where they found that. But now, doctors find 25 separate sexually transmitted diseases that are in the population, 25. And and according to the World Health Organization, it says this, more than one million people acquire a sexually transmitted infection every day. And each year, An estimated 500 million people become ill with one of four STIs, chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, and trichomoniasis, which I hadn't even heard of. But these diseases uh, can be just uh, chronic pain, um, but they can also, the complications of it can lead to death, okay? And so, and, and they don't even, they can't cure them. They can't cure them. Sometimes you've got to live with them, all right? Um, uh, 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 AIDS.gov, some global statistics says this, that there are currently 2013, excuse me, in 2013, there are currently over 35 million people living with HIV, AIDS. Even with medical advances, an estimated 1.5 million people died from AIDS-related causes. And here's the sad thing. 3.2 million children under 15 years old are living with HIV, most of them contacting it from their HIV-infected in, in, infected mothers. Uh, so we think we can get away with it, but the idea is if you get involved in sexual immorality, you may suffer physically for that. Okay, It's a very real possibility. And so we see all of these kinds of statistics. And we go, by the way, there were lots more. I tried to just pick the little ones that um, was one college student was quoted as saying this, the sexual revolution is over, and everyone lost. Okay, the sexual revolution coming in the 60s, 70s, and all the way up to today. It's a, the sexual revolution has already occurred, and nobody won, everybody lost. So, here's the deal. We're talking about safe sex, and that's always a big deal, right? We need to keep our kids safe sex. Safe sex is married sex. Safe sex is married sex. And and this is assuming that neither partner coming into this marriage is bringing in a sexually transmitted disease. Assuming they haven't. Assuming either one. If the only people that they ever have sex with, they will never get a sexually transmitted disease. Does God know what he's talking about? God knows what he's talking about. Safe sex is married sex, okay? And we need to get that in our head. In verses 15 through 20, we find that there are two ways to protect and enjoy sex in marriage. Two ways. Go ahead and, and, um, oh yeah, it's there. Thank you, guys. Sorry, Stephen. Two ways to protect and enjoy sex in marriage. Let's look at verse 15. He says, drink water from your own cistern. And a cistern, remember, was a holding tank. It's where they would collect rainwater so it would have water that they could use. Drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. And you get the picture here in the of sex, right? And do you have a place that's for you? Should your fountains be dispersed abroad streams of water in the streets? Does it make sense if you have a well or a cistern to say, hey, let's let the water run down the street? No, what? It wastes it and it dirties it. When you let the water out and let it run like that, it wastes it and dirties it, and so does when we move outside of God's bounty for sex. It wastes sex and dirties it. He says in no, over 17, let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. And so, uh, the first way to protect and enjoy sex in marriage is make sure that no one else is ever brought into your sexual relationship in marriage. Nobody else. Whether real or imaginary. Obviously, no other person in their press, physically present, right? No other person in that relationship. But in our day and age, it goes way beyond. Also, it's, it's nobody there in your mind. Nobody else there in your heart. fantasy we know is that's outside the boundaries, okay um, in our day and age you can read it, you can look at pictures, you can watch videos, movies, right and but that's bringing other people into what's only for you and your wife. So none of that. just you and your spouse together, okay Very clear. okay let's read verses. Uh, 18 through 20 here. He says, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. The idea is that we're supposed to get married, uh, you know, when we're young, typically we get married, and then you what? Stay married, that's God's best. We know divorce happens, God acknowledges that divorce happens, it's not his best, but it does happen, okay? But he's talking about here's you know, the best way. Rejoice with the wife of your youth as a loving deer and a graceful doe. Let's stop for just a moment. I, I was just a way up in, uh, um, way up north in Vermont for the last couple of days helping my, my sons uh, run an event. And uh, where we were staying, we pulled in uh, on Friday night. It, it was just dusk and we pulled in and there was right here in the front yard, it was a big, beautiful deer. And it's just amazing. I mean, don't you think they're just, they're like so graceful, so awesome. And he says, let you, you know, feel that way about your wife. And by the way, he's talking about—he's talking to his son, so he's saying wife, right? If you're talking to your daughter, we'd say husband. It's just look at it's awesome, this awesome person that God has given you as a loving deer and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. Uh, can you say the word breast in church? God says it in his word. Right? He's making a very point. He is talking about this physical relationship, isn't he? It's what he's talking about. He says, be enraptured with this, with, with each other in the relationship. Verse 24, why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman? What sense does that make when you have this woman that God has given you? Be embraced in the arms of seductress why would you do that and so the second way that you're going to protect and, and, and enjoy sex in marriage is to pursue a healthy intimate relationship with your spouse that, that includes free expression of consensual sexual desire sexless marriages are not a good thing um, There could be physical reasons, you know, and and God gives grace for those kinds of things. But when your relationship deteriorates to where the sexual relationship has gone, that is not a good place for your marriage. And when that happens to us as Christians, we ought to feel convicted about that because really we are not where God wants us to be. We might not... (laughs) You know, you might not be where your spouse wants you to be when it comes to this, and so you're, well, that, that's, I don't care. Sometimes we get that way in our relationships. I just don't care. Well, that's fine, but you know what? You're not in, in the right relationship where God wants you to be. And we're not talking about how often you're out of sex, what kind of sex you should have. We're not talking that. we're talking about is that you and your spouse enjoy together the sexual relationship in whatever way that works for you, okay? Uh, As long as it's within God's boundaries. All right, then we come to to, uh, the, the author's conclusion here, starting in verse 21. And actually, before I read it, let me just say, we're gonna talk here now about two decisions we must make in the area of sex. Okay, two decisions we have to make if we're going to have sex be what God wants it to be in our lives. It says, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. One of the biggest things about sexual temptation and sexual immorality is how often, for a Christian especially, how often is sexual immorality out in the open where everybody can see? It isn't, is it? You know, it, whether it's, it's, it's uh, you know, just looking at something, thinking about it, or whether you're actually involved. That's, it's always hidden, isn't it? Because we know it isn't right, and so it's hidden. But what did the verse just tell us? It's not hidden from God. God knows. God sees. And God evaluates and makes a judgment. And, and so this takes us back to what we looked at earlier, um, I think it was when we were on the 1st, the July 1st. And the first decision you need to make is you need to fear God in your sex life. Fear God in your sex life. And remember when we talk about fearing God, what do we mean? It means that God is more important to you than anyone or anything else. That's what we're talking about. You need to settle that when it comes to my sex life, God is more important to me than anyone else and more than anything else. God is more important to me. I'm going to fear God in my sex life. In other words, I'm gonna bring my sex life under his authority. Now, that's easy to say. Verse 22 through 23, something else we need to get in our minds. It says, his own iniquities entrap the wicked man He's talking about one who gets into sexual morality, and he is caught in the cords of his sin, he gets tied up with it. He shall die for lack of instruction and the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. Here's the deal, verses 22 and 23 tells us, if you wanna go your own way on this, if you wanna do what seems okay to you and seems natural to you, you say, no, there's nothing wrong with this, I wanna go this way, I'm gonna do this. (laughs) You're your own worst enemy. You're, you are entrapping yourself. You are getting yourself all tied up in sin and it doesn't lead to, to more life and, and you're going to go astray in ways that you, you may not be able even to get back from. And so here's, you've got a choice to make. You're going to go do your own thing or you're going to trust God because that's the, the second thing here. Trust God with your sex life. Now this may sound silly to you, but a number of years ago, I mean, I'm a man, so sexual temptation is there from time to time for me, obviously, just like it is for everybody else. And all of a sudden, for the first time, it hit me, it said, wait a minute. I need to trust God with my sex life. That just doesn't seem like those two, you know, we don't put those things together. But the idea is, I, in my sex life, I'm a sexual being. I need to trust God. His ways are always best. Even when it doesn't feel like it. And so we need to make decisions to trust God. And by the way, that is a huge decision. And it applies way beyond sex, doesn't it? You need to trust God in your finances. Finances. You need to trust God in your other relationships. You need to trust God in your career choices. You need to trust God. And you need to trust God in your sex life. Now, you might be here today and you've never even trusted Christ as your savior. And So this is kind of like maybe really overwhelming to you. And I would say to you that if you haven't trusted Christ as savior, all this other stuff we're talking about today probably just isn't gonna work for you Because for you to live the way we're talking about, you need God himself living inside of you, strengthening you, helping you, teaching you to make better choices. And so I encourage you today, if if you've never had that point where you realize, yeah, I've sinned against the Holy God and it's separated me from him. If I die this way, I'm going to hell. But instead you say, you know what? I believe Jesus did die for my sins and rise again. I believe that and... And, and, and rose again. So I, and right now I'm going to trust Jesus to be my Savior. Jesus, I trust you to be my Savior. I ask you to be my Savior. The Bible says if you'll do that, that he will forgive every sin. From your whole life, every sin. You'll have eternal life. And this life is over. You go with him. And then he moves in. God himself moves in. And then begins to enable you to live these very ways we're talking about. And this is only one subject. Very, very crucial, very important subject. And let me say this to you as well: that if you find yourself on the wrong side of this fence today, and you say, "Man, my life has been just a story of what the Bible calls sexual immorality," I'm not lined up with it at all. First, of all, let me say this: that God absolutely forgives when we acknowledge that we have sinned against Him. He forgives. If we confess our sins, He is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins, not just to forgive us, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to clean us up. And so, if you've been failing in this area repeatedly, or you have things in your past that you just can't let go of, listen, come get help because God can bring healing to you in this area of your life and set you free. And that is good, good news. This is God's wisdom. Straight talk about sex. On how to keep sex. What God intended for it to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and that you speak to us so frankly in it. I thank you, Father, for these people's attentiveness today. And and I believe, Lord, openness to you in this. I thank you for that. Lord, help every one of us to see where we're at on this issue and to see where we we fail here and there and, and maybe much bigger than that, but Lord, help us to be yielded to you again and again and just to keep coming back to your standard. And when we fail, to confess and to come back to your standard. And Lord, help us to mourn more that we would live by your standard and fail less and less. And I do pray, Father, for those who are here today who've never received your son as Savior, I pray right now they just open their hearts and say, yes, God, that's for me. I believe. I I receive Jesus. I pray they do that. And Father, I pray for those here today who may just really be struggling big time for who knows what reasons, Lord. I pray they would make a decision to both fear you and trust you in their sex life. And then, Lord, reach out and get help because they're going to need help. I thank you, Father, that you don't just wad us up and throw us away when we mess up, but that you restore and heal as we turn back to you. Give us the grace, Lord, to deal with the hard things that following you sometimes calls us to. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, listen, this is one of those topics that's, that's hard sometimes, like I said, to, to think about, you know, talking about someone, you know, we're embarrassed, there's a lot of shame that goes along with this. Just let me say, that probably one of, if, if you're struggling with some aspect that we're talking about today, or maybe you have a whole other questions related to that we didn't deal with, you're much better off to, to seek out help. Talk to someone, bring the problem into the light, and then the solutions can come, Okay. All right, God bless you. You are dismissed.